What should our website look like? Oh, uh, just uh, go go to their website, our competitor's website, and make it, instead of their color, make it green. Ah, okay. All right. Not a good strategy. Probably not going to be a good strategy, and we should unpack that. Like, what, what happens when you do that? You're listening to the Remarka Brand Podcast, where authentic brands win. Welcome to yet another episode of the Remarka Brand Podcast, where we have conversations about unlocking your authentic brand to build lasting relationships with customers, staff, and the whole wide world. I'm Mike Jones, your co-host with David Kosand and our wonderful producer, Sam Pagel. Woohoo. Hey. Game show music now. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. I'm sure that's cool. like a wheel of fortune. Yeah, I'm excited awesome. for today's episode. We're going to talk about all sorts of fun stuff, all related back to brand, of course. Of course, we're going to talk about brand identity. We're going to talk today primarily about chasing trends. We got into that a little bit on the last episode, and we're going to continue that conversation. We've got a great cliffhanger question to kick us off from last time, and then we will jump into all sorts of other great things about how how you can do superficial branding. You wanna do it really wrong, we're gonna give you all the tips and tricks <laughs> on how to do it wrong, how to, how to brand incorrectly, very superficially. And uh, we're gonna talk about copycat brands, and we're gonna talk about all sorts of other fun stuff. And, uh, but first, we're gonna do a little improv, because that's how we roll. We're all about the improv. Sam, what do we got today? What are we going to do? Well, we're going to do Name 10 Things again. Uh, David, can you give us a little quick refresher on what <laughs> Name 10 Things is? Yeah, it's really easy. Uh, someone in the group says, Name 10 blanks, right? And they come up with the random idea for what those 10 things that we're naming is. And then uh, they put someone on the spot. Quite literally, that person then has to name 10 of whatever that thing is, right? And the idea, again, it's to get you kind of just not thinking get you out of your head so those first few ideas might be more like normal kind of standard responses but then once you get to like seven eight nine you're you're free you're all over the all over the place and the only wrong answer is silence (laughs) that's right no no wrong answers all right so i've got it we're gonna do name 10 trends that you love that came out of the trend generator machine the trend generator okay. machine. I love it. Are we? Oh yeah, we're I guess doing we're this doing together. Take, go right? back to back. Yeah. Right. Uh, banana puppets. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Braille fortune cookies. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> oh. papers. Oh. Flat sodas. Wait, what? Sodas that are flat. Oh. <laughs> that was a trend because of yeah. the carbon. Um, wallpaper. Uh, carbon friendly wallpaper. Yep. <laughs> Number four. It's made from. <laughs> cow dung I don't know uh oh uh fern your house ferns are in ferns. wait what fern your house uh it's good for the environment using egg whites as hair gel oh yeah oh recycle oh that's awful that's six uh uh only eating food with your forefingers like not four of your fingers, your your first finger, your index <laughs> finger, uh, and you can only use the one on each hand. Okay. Yeah. 
It was good. a thing. You guys don't remember that? Yeah. That yeah. Was, that was no. a hot topic. It was hot. It was really hot. Like back when there were like pogs. Do you remember those? <laughs> yeah. That's a good That's trend. Uh, wait, I thought we were on eight. Um, <laughs> okay. I thought we were almost done. No. Nope. Bicycle shoes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. Reduce yeah. emissions. Shoes that are like bicycles. That's seven. Oh, I was thinking like the the bike shoes that have the little clips at the bottom and like people are just wearing those all that, the time. The shoes are like anyway. Oh, they're bike. They're bikes <laughs> instead of the little rollies. Yeah, wheelies. Yeah, wheelies. That's something, yeah. Oh, wheelies. Wheelies, wheelies. Wheelies. Three more. Uh, ear implants. <laughs> Good trend. Yeah. Eight. As in implanting ears. A nose massages. Nose oh yeah. <laughs> I could use one of those. <laughs> one more. <laughs> oh. Uh, dying, uh, uh, bleaching the hair on your feet. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's number 10, and that's so, that's going to end it right there. And I, I think you miscounted. I really do. I think we need to go back. We need a uh, review. Scrub challenge, challenge. Insta- Get the coaches challenge. <laughs> yeah, I challenge that. Oh, we're going to lose a timeout, Scott man. Foster must be refereeing. <laughs> There's a trend. <laughs> Fine. All right. We had a cliffhanger last time, and it was so good, I've already forgotten it. Yep. It was. So what was it, David? Can an authentic brand be canceled? Ooh. And by canceled, we mean there's this kind of cancel culture we're seeing in, in this very like uh, intense political yeah. climate that we're in uh, on both sides of the aisle. It's just both, a wee bit intense right now. A wee now. bit intense. You know, the extremes of both ends of politics in, in america uh and i don't think it's just america actually it's kind of overflowing into other countries and continents um but we're seeing that kind of dominate the conversation and when i say that in like the the public mm-hmm. social media-esque type of public discourse right um and we've seen some brands kind of getting caught up in uh, some of this back and forth some of the crossfire between yep. the extremes but the question i have here is just more simply if your brand is authentic, if you mm-hmm. if your brand has done the hard work of finding its frequency, knowing its purpose, its values, you know who it, who it is, who it's not, can that then be canceled? Yeah, is it a bulletproof brand? It didn't make it in the episode, but we had some answers, so I think we can we can I think we can answer this. Let's hash that out. Yeah, uh, I I think I think there's something really magical. I think it's a great word. Magical. Magical. There's something really um, defensible Mm. about a brand that really knows itself. And I think on two levels, that's really helpful for the brand in that kind of environment, right? On one level, it protects the brand from getting caught in a, in a dicey conversation. Uh, uh, You know, there's some political firestorm going on and you know i think the temptation for a lot of brands is to take a side or to have a really strong opinion Mm -hmm. Um, maybe not because it's it's authentic to them but because there are loud voices in the room right and it feels like oh we should probably we should probably make some statement on this Mm -hmm. and I think if you really understand your own brand and your own identity, you're better able to decide, is this really something that we should be talking about, that we should even be in the conversation about? 
Right. And so you you tend to not enter into conversations that get you in a whole lot of trouble, right? Um, and when you do get into those conversations, you've already flushed out your your thinking on that. Your stance actually aligns with everything else that you're doing. And so it's like, yeah, it makes sense, right? You can kind of think of like when Ben and Jerry's gets political, it kind of makes sense because they've always been that way, mm -hmm. right? And they have an ideological strain to their founders mm -hmm. that they embedded in the company. They've said from day one, this is something that we care about. We care about ethics. We care about the environment. We care about certain political sides of, a, of certain political conversations. Yeah. And that's just part of who their identity is. And so when they get loud, I'm still paying eight bucks a pint. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, like, it doesn't seem to hurt them. Yeah. and it's it, But it, again, it seems like they established that years ago decades ago. yeah long before yeah. any of these were like the hot buck right. hot topic right the, yeah. the hot button night uh topics that that they are and i mean you can find examples on the other side if you want to if you're looking at political spectrum you can i think mm -hmm. find brands on the other side where i mean like to some example and it's it's a little trickier i think with personalities but like we mentioned earlier before the show started dave Chappelle, right mm -hmm. and you know he got in a lot of hot water for some comments about transgenderism what was that like a month or two ago and he's having like sell out crowds at every one of his shows so it's like okay he just got attacked too in he LA, did yeah. yeah but it hasn't and a lot of that comes back to the fact that like he's always been the guy who just says whatever he thinks right right and so it's like even if people disagree with him they're like oh i'll still go see him right like i don't i don't it's like yeah that fits him that so makes it's, sense it's his brand yeah, interesting. So I guess, you know, if you're grounded in, in your values and your purpose and your beliefs and some parts of the global conversation starts creeping into that territory, then yes, we would expect you to have a response. We would expect you to have a well thought out, you know, um, an intentional response, not just a flippant, you know, we got to say something fast. It's no, yeah. no. We don't need we don't need to sit here and and oh we have to react it's no we we know what to do because we we've, we've been talking about the you know whatever it is the environment forever or yeah. we have beliefs but what I think is uh, really tempting for brands and probably really dangerous mm -hmm. is to jump into every single yep. topic every thread of of every debate that pops up because first of all the social media kind of global conversation thing it's very quick you know it's, we, a, it's ephemeral we, yes it's like here and then gone it, it's like a vapor it, it's poof yeah. yeah but people are so passionate about it and if you have to say something if you if you choose to make a statement or say something mm -hmm. about something that might be really super temporary yeah maybe maybe uh you're gonna end up backpedaling and uh -huh. backtracking because you're like oh man that got us in a lot of trouble if we would have just not said anything yeah there would be a couple of angry tweets here and there but it'll blow over and then yeah. they're gonna be angry at somebody else next week yeah right yeah and and is this really core to who we are right is this is this something that really matters to our focus of our identity like what what do we stand for mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis does this matter to what we stand for right you know I'm, I'm thinking about this is not a global conversation type of political type of uh 
uh, instance, but I remember Southwest Airlines. So Southwest Airlines has a very distinct brand, mm-hmm. kind of a style to the way they do things on the plane, especially when you're a passenger, yeah. like the way they they might sing the uh, you know, yeah. like the safety instructions. Or, or just get a little creative. Yeah, they're playful. A snarky. I'd say they're, they're kind of playful, humorous. kind of snarky. Yeah. So I, th- I, I heard of an account of, you know, a, uh, a flight attendant was doing the whole uh, song thing and then it was silly it was goofy and then they did something else where like instead of delivering the snacks and passing them out they're going to have them at the very front of the plane and then have, the plane, like, have all the snacks go crazy you know uh, gravity do its thing and somebody got really upset about it or something and they're like okay sorry that you can't be our customer anymore because we're going to keep doing what we do because we're going to back our, our employees because they're you know an extension yep. of the brand and yep. we support them and if you don't like it then there's plenty of this other isn't airlines the right fit for you. you right yeah this you, is like yeah my buddy don worked in the restaurant industry for like 20 25 years and he's like there was a general rule with every restaurant i worked at which was you gave a customer three tries and it was like okay so the first mistake we'll own that that's on us whatever it is and we're going to get you back, right? We're going to bring you back. We're going to do whatever we can to bring you back so you have an, like you really have a chance to experience this the right way. Because mm-hmm. maybe maybe we screwed up, right? We we messed up your food or really bad server that day. Somebody just had a bad day, right? We're just going to assume the best and that this is, you know, not working. Okay. Second time. You're still angry with us the second time, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's see what we can do to make it right. Maybe give you a gift card. Have you come back. And on the third try, if it's like, this is not working, right? You you are upset again. It's not us, it's you, <laughs> right? And it and it was always delivered. He said, we were always delivered as, we appreciate you coming here, giving us a try. This is the third time. We clearly are just not the right fit, right? right? We're, you, you, it's probably best if you just find another restaurant there's lots of great restaurants yeah um three strikes you're out yeah and it's it wasn't intended to be like a penalty right like but it was more like this isn't the right fit i like it i like that southwest story that was a good one and that might not be you know again like this political kind of twitter verse type of a use case but it's still i think it's similar though because there's just really loud voices that are like i this is my one issue and i want you to come along with me and you kind of have as a brand have to decide like do we need to go along with someone just because they're loud? I mean, if you ran your business, if you own a business or you're, you know, in leadership in a business and every, you just went with whatever every loud customer told you to do, I don't know that you'd have a great successful business in the long run, right? Well, yeah. And it's just like relationships. I mean, interpersonal relationships. Yep. So. I mean, you pick your friends and you you, pick, you you know which relatives to avoid conversations with about certain topics because the relationship's more important than uh, being right in yeah. this debate. So, you know. Yeah. Back to your restaurant analogy. You can't fire your cook every two weeks, right? No. Nope. <laughs> Just because a customer tells you to. No, like that would be stupid, yeah. right? Now, if it's like every customer, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like you're like, no, we're doing it right. Everybody's acting according to the brand that we've that we've set out to accomplish and build, and this identity that we have um, that's unique to us. And you get a customer that's like, "I don't get it, don't like it, don't want it." Great. There's other there's other businesses out there that can serve your need. Uh, we don't have to serve everyone. So I think the word that just pops into my head is just there's a confidence. Yeah. There's this, and it doesn't have to be a cockiness or like a 
I don't know. You're not being, you know, uh, flamboyant or what's the right word? <laughs> Overly proud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not being obnoxious. I think yeah. that's the word I was looking for. It doesn't have to be egotistical. Right. No. But it's this it's humble confidence. It's like, you know, we, we know who we are. Mm-hmm. We know who we're for. We know who might have a problem with us. Mm-hmm. And we're okay with that. Yeah. Instead of this, you know, uh, oh, oh, should we say something? There's kind of this like panic button, like, ah, send out a statement or, oh, get the PR guy to, you know, or whatever person. And it can cause a a lot of problems for you if you're doing things in haste. And I think that might might be another just idea is like slow slow down down a little bit. You know, (laughs) like brands aren't built in a day. You know, Ben and Jerry's is years and years and years of we know who Ben and Jerry's is. Yep. Because they've responded consistently. Yep. Interesting. So maybe maybe an authentic brand can't be canceled then? I'd argue it, it's pretty hard. It's hard. It's hard. I, I think this is a case where I do think, to some degree, size matters, right? Mm-hmm. If you're just getting started and you catch the wrong group the wrong way and they decide to like kind of cancel you, we've seen that over the last few years. Um, you know, maybe if you're really small, you have a lot less leverage to kind of outlast the storm, so to speak. Bigger brands, I think, have a better time with that. Mm. Um, but, you know, if, you, if you're if you not authentic and you're a big brand, and we've seen this even in the last like couple of months, like you're a big brand and you don't really know exactly who you are and you're not going to have that confidence, you kind of get batted around. Right. Because mm-hmm. there's for every like storm, there's a counter storm, too. Right. On these political issues. And so, like, you get you're going to get caught. Um, and I think there's a lot of times where like waiting, being silent, maybe just don't get into it as much as you're going to take some flack for that might be the better, better decision for a lot of brands. If you're authentic, your fans and customers like you because you're authentic. It's who you are. It's what sets you apart. Um, so at that point, if your brand is dragged through the political mud or whatever, even if it's, you're just kind of sitting back and doing your thing and something happens like a war and your Russian vodka brand gets (laughs) dragged through the mud. It's not really your fault. Um, you know, that's probably not a, a great example, but you, you can't really be canceled with everybody. If you're authentic and yep. that's why people like you and yep. they love you and they're your fans, if you hold fast to what you believe and that authenticity, your fans and customers are going to stay with you yep. through that. And a lot of times they're actually going to become better and bigger fans of you mm-hmm. yeah. because they want to support you. Yep. Yeah. And that that's kind of goes along with chasing trends, right? Yeah. Like, you see trends in branding and in, uh, you know, even your like visual identity, <laughs> you see, you see people change. It's almost like they're changing clothes, trying to, yeah. trying to put something on that's not really a good fit or. Yeah. And that, I mean, we call that, we, you know, in our book, we define that as superficial branding, uh, maybe taking, taking elements of kind of the, the things that you do not going deep enough, you know, really unpacking what those core values are, what your real true purpose is as an organization, not understanding the true personality, but instead just kind of saying, oh, well, we're the, you know, we're the athletic shoe company because we make athletic shoes. Okay. I mean, you do. Is that all you do? Is that really why you exist? Like, is there more to it than that? Or, I mean, 
heaven forbid you just go rip off your competitor's branding, right? And you just say, do everything they're doing except make it green, you know, which was a comment I once got from a client. Uh, <laughs> what should our website look like? Oh, uh, just uh, go go to their website, our competitor's website, and make it, instead of their color, make it green. Ah, okay. All right. Not a good strategy. Probably not going to be a good strategy, and we should unpack that. Like, what what happens when you do that? Yeah. So you're trying desperately to fit in instead of be yourself. Right? Yeah. And people, customers, employees, peers, they, competitors, they all feel that. Yeah. You're 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 not being yourself. You're not being authentic. And what does that do when you're around someone that's not being themselves? <laughs> you know, yep. you almost feel like tense and anxious for them on their behalf. Cause you're like, uh, you know, like uh, give it a rest, man. Like <laughs> just, well, and it, I mean, not only is it like kind of annoying or it's like shallow, awkward. It, it also just doesn't give <laughs> your customers anything to latch onto as to like why you and not them. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, if if you're picking your brand color, let's just use that example, based purely on like, oh, we're just going to do everything that our competitor does except just change the color. It's like, is so people are picking you because you picked green? Like, <laughs> really? Like, I don't think so. And I think it really like under, you know, I don't know if consciously people think about that, but I think customers feel that where they go, you don't have depth. Yeah. Right. You don't actually stand for anything. You're a copycat, really. Well, I guess I'm thinking about like, okay, so if it was, you know, early 20th century, some small town in middle America, whatever, there's probably just one of you or two of you in the town that do what you do. So we're we're the green ones and they're the blue ones. And maybe that's okay to get you by Kinda back worked, then maybe. Yeah, in the early 20th century. But now it's like anybody that, can buy from anybody that anywhere. assumes like there's only two two of you in the market right, right? like now yeah exactly there's no point. market like that anymore yeah you can ship and you can buy and you can i mean well, it yeah it reminds me of just going on amazon now right and right. you search for a product any category <laughs> and you're going to find a bazillion brands that all look exactly the same and just have like slightly different names and they're all like totally unpronounceable um and and you look at it and i remember talking with my wife a few weeks ago we were i can't remember what we were shopping for but something on Amazon and she's just like I don't trust any of these yeah like there's nothing that out of them comes like a sense of like yeah you guys are trustworthy because yeah. y'all look at I mean you're literally the same like whoever made this product yeah made it for all these brands and they all just slapped their own little logo on it right and there there's nothing intrinsically different about them mm -hmm. And what actually comes out is not just like, oh, this is hard to decide. I guess I'll just decide on price. It's actually kind of a like, ugh, I don't really want to buy any of these. Right. Because I don't trust them. I don't know who they are. Yeah, that's interesting. I was, uh, so exact same uh, situation. I needed a new backpack. Yeah. My zipper was busted and I, you know, I was tired of carrying this thing around. It was ripping. And so, okay. I'm like, backpacks. Hmm. I haven't bought a backpack in a while. You know, I've gotten some of those swag backpacks that are given to me for free. But I want a really good one. So I went on Amazon. I searched for laptop, backpack, whatever. And most of the top 10, 20, like the, I, going through a couple pages of results, I'm like, yeah, exact same experience. I don't trust any of these. Or it looks like, um, you know, something for some 
boomer backpack, you know, or <laughs> some brand that maybe is like, okay, well, that, that, I don't, that doesn't feel like it's me. So I'm like, well, what do I a do? A boomer pack is a fanny pack. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. Let's just right. clear well, that up right now. Doesn't Taylor Swift wear a fanny pack? Come on. <laughs> They're back in. Yeah. Aren't They're they cool back now? In. Oh man. Yeah. But yeah, I saw, I saw some servers. They say Christina. all things skip a generation. I guess that one. I guess. But the point Gen is Z. I was, I didn't know what to do about backpacks yeah so i had to search off of amazon first yep to find out which brands of backpacks seem legit like they're worth the money mm-hmm. like they're they, they fit my lifestyle my vibe yeah. you know come on that stuff's important it's really important. i'm not that picky about backpacks but i want to at least look kind of every day yeah yeah so so i had to do the brand research first it's funny because i didn't think about this until you just brought it up but that happens on amazon in particular all the time because amazon yeah. essentially became you know the new walmart where it's just yeah. the cheapest and the, well, the and all SEO the, juice at the top or whatever. All the trustworthy <laughs> brands have left right. uh, Amazon. They're not on there anymore because they've chased them all out. And so everybody that's left is these knockoff Chinese companies. Right. And so if you're on Amazon and you are you have some level of care about what you're going to buy and besides price, I, I think you end up at some level feeling dissatisfied and you either... Just buy it, and you're like, uh, I guess I'll just do it, and then you're probably not super thrilled about it, or you end up doing what you just did. I mean, I just did the exact same thing last year with my backpack, <laughs> and I I went on Amazon because I had bought my previous backpack on Amazon, and it was okay. It was a good backpack, but I learned some things about what I wanted a little more specifically, and I went on Amazon. And I was like, they, they just there's nothing here. No trustworthy brands. Nothing I really like. Um, almost too much choice too. And then, uh, yeah, I did like some more research just like you did. And I ended up with something I bought off. I didn't buy it off Amazon. I bought it directly from the manufacturer. Yeah. So. And then, I mean, that, so now you're, you've got copycats. Yep. You've got a sea of brands that all look the same. And you're like, I don't trust any of these guys. I'm going to go and I might, you know, go spend my money somewhere else completely, not even on the site anymore. Yep. Yeah. So even if one of those knockoff Chinese brands invested a little bit. <laughs> I, I don't think the bar is very high, actually. Right. Um, I, I think all it is is, one, being willing to attach your brand to multiple products. <clears throat> I think that's a big like mistake I'm seeing a lot right now is everyone stands up these individual brands for each individual product. And so you don't build any brand equity across your product lines. Uh, obviously, this is a little more consumer product oriented, but... I think even in B2B, I think that ha- that can happen, right? There's this temptation to like give everything its own identity. And you kind of lose this ability to build trust with people over the long term, right? There's a reason why most really successful brands have a corporate brand that is actually really strong. And it probably overshadows a lot of the product brand. It's more memorable. It's more interesting because they understand that every time they make a new product, they're implying that corporate brand equity into that product on day one. And so if you're just spinning up products and you're just throwing them out in the marketplace and they don't really have any connection to one another, I think there's a real, there's a downside to that. I think you're, you're missing a lot of opportunity to, to really instill confidence in your customers and say, Hey, don't just buy from me once, buy from me twice, buy from me four times. Like we offer more than just one thing to people um, and the reality is you probably do, right? You stand up all these individual product brands, you're offering a whole bunch of different products, but you're missing an opportunity to to really build that trust at a much larger, deeper, longer term level. Yeah, I guess 
what strikes me is that 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 might be what's easy yep but it might not be what's going to pay off in the long run yep there's an emptiness there there's just a brand that exists only to sell a product is going to at some point it's just going to fall apart there's no underlying values holding all of that together Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could say the same thing in, in the B2B industry where, you know, you stand up a law firm or an accounting firm or a manufacturing company just because you want to quickly and easily make money doing that. Yep. And eventually it's going to fall apart because yep. if you're just there to make money, you're not you're not going to care when things go south for a customer. You're not yep. going to be there when something fails and it was your fault. Hmm. Are there particular um, industries where you feel like this is a plague (laughs) or you've got too many copycats? Like the one that comes to my mind is like credit unions, (laughs) like local, national, like these credit unions all kind of look and sound and feel the same to me. I think there's a, I think you can, I can probably name a few different industries. I think credit unions is a good one. Banks also. To some degree, although credit unions have their own unique reason for it, because mm-hmm. I think they're small, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the issue. Um, we see it a lot. I hate to throw them under the bus, but the accounting industry—it's it, like all over the place. They all look the same. They all sound the same. They all say the same things. They all have the same names. They all have the same names, taglines. It's really interesting. Um, and what I—I I mean, law firms—I think you can say a lot of the same thing there. What I find is that there's a common denominator, and that they are very risk-averse industries. Right. They're industries where creativity, innovation, change are not highly valued because of what they sell. Right. What they're selling is safety at some level. So risk aversion. Right. If you're a credit union, you're selling at at the core, you're selling savings. Right. Keep your money with us and it'll be safe. If you're an accounting firm, you're selling a, a risk mitigation against you know, the government, right? That they, the IRS is going to want to come take your money and you want to, you want to protect yourself from not paying too much or getting in legal trouble for not paying enough, right? Law firms, that's all risk mitigation. That's all you sell as a law firm, right? Um, Get you out of trouble when you're in trouble or keep you out from getting in trouble in the first place. So these industries are built on services and products that are all about mitigating risk. And so when you talk about what's like the easiest least risky thing that you can do with your brand well superficially you're gonna think oh just do what everyone else is doing right don't rock the boat don't stand out too much don't be too crazy right we want people to trust us and i think there's this idea that like if we if we look and feel like everyone else but maybe change the color (laughs) then that's just enough to stand out but also like have a sense of like oh they're trustworthy they look like all the other accounting firms which i think is counterintuitively actually not what it produces i don't think it actually produces trust what i think it does is it produces kind of a i guess i'll settle and what i think people settle for is cost ease of location right proximity um things that are just very tactical and don't develop long-lasting relationships these are things that are can change very easily right you know your costs you don't really totally control your costs totally so if the market 
changes, then you're hiking your rates and all of a sudden you're out of all your customers or your customer moves while well, your location now is a detriment to you. Um, these are tactical things that you don't really control and they're not really at heart the, the basis of your brand, right? They're not the true underlying underpinning of your identity. And so I think it, it allows customers to kind of have like a, a superficial relationship, right? If you have a superficial brand, you're going to build a superficial relationship and it's going to quickly lose its footing whenever something weird or something goes wrong. And how do you respond to those companies when they're like, oh, we just want to be exactly like that website, but we want it green. Yeah. Like what's the, or Mike, that's nice and all maybe for like yep. Harley Davidson or Disney, but come on, man, I'm a local credit union. Yep. Be real. I, I mean, I think there's a hard conversation there about well, what are your goals, right? And we've had that conversation with a, a few different clients over the years of like, well, you just want to stay the same size or maybe shrink, then yeah, continue to do what you're doing. You, you don't want to grow. We, we see a, a possibility, an opportunity for you to really have growth. We think that that would be great for you. If, if you're on board, if you, if you have that same vision, obviously we want, we want them to have that vision. We want to follow their vision. Um, but if they don't have that vision, then yeah status quo continue to do what you're doing and I, not that you can't have some success right clearly like these accounting firms a lot of them are around 40 50 60 years but what's interesting is the way they grow is not organic the way they grow is even superficial they go and acquire other firms right and so the way that to grow in that kind of brand is to just simply kind of buy your way into growth which is very expensive. You get these firms where there's 40, 50, 100 partners who have equity in the firm. Yeah. And it's like, man, is this really paying off for anybody at a even at a financial level, right? Mm -hmm. Let alone all of your other staff. <laughs> you know? Um you're not actually driving demand. That there's no demand if you're constantly having to buy someone in order to get growth. So So don't be a copycat. Don't be a copycat. Be your own cat. <laughs> Original cat. Unauthentic cat. Auth cat. Authentic cat. Unless you're a dog. Oh. oh. Then you shouldn't try to be a cat. I think you're barking <laughs> up the wrong tree. Nice. Oh. That was rough. <laughs> oh. So, how can we avoid being a copycat? Be intentional. Intentional. I like that. It's good. There's a discovery process. Uh, when I when I started my business back in 2011, I knew roughly what my service was. It was video production. Yeah. Outside of that, I didn't know anything else. Yep. People would ask me all the time, "What do you do?" And I would have a different answer every time. Um, and it wasn't until 2017 ish. Um, I went through the brand process with resound and it was crazy. I mean, it was, and it was actually really fun because I, I discovered actually why I was doing what I was mm -hmm. doing and it gave me permission. I think you said this, David, maybe last episode to say no to the wrong people. And, um, and, and business became way more fun because I was focused for the first time. Um, so there's a discovery process. We tell people all the time, 
we're not here to create your brand for you. It's already there. Um, a lot of times it's just dormant. It hasn't mm. been discovered. It hasn't been uncovered or unlocked. Um, and so it, there's just a discovery process there. It's almost like who you are, you have to discover that and then own it. Yeah, I think owning it is a really part, a, a key piece to that. It's, I can't tell you how many times we've done like the discovery process. We're all feeling really good about it. The client loves it. You get it like built out into a, you know, a brand handbook and you have all these cool guidelines and it's starting to be communicated and filtered through the company. But then you come back like two years later and you're like, it didn't really get owned. Yeah. It kind of sort of got implemented, but only halfway. And there wasn't really this true, like we own this hook line sinker in everything we do. We hammer it over and over and over. The values are, in, you know, just embedded in every decision that we make. And I know that takes time. That's not something that happens overnight. It's not something you go, oh, one day you flip the switch and all of a sudden you're really living out the brand. But at the same time, like if you don't own it, all that other work really doesn't have the impact that it could have. And I think that's maybe not a copycat brand issue, but that's maybe a half-hearted brand issue. Like really just saying we're going to lean all in and we're really going to own it. What is the connection between OKRs, so the day-to-day, quarter-to-quarter, mm-hmm. year-to-year kind of um, operating pulse of yeah. a company, and your authentic identity? Ooh. That, that might be a whole nother episode, but I'm curious, because that's really where yep. owning it comes into play, right? Yep. Decisions that I make. It's not just the what decisions I make, but the how I make them, yep. how I do it, how I execute. That's tough because you got to keep your why in focus all year long. Yep. But then you, you need to keep those values and the how you go about doing things in focus and the way it comes across. You have to be mindful of all of that. You can't just be focused on like, let's get this quarter's revenue numbers where they need to be. Yeah, everybody needs that, right? <laughs> like, yeah. everyone needs to hit their numbers. Yep. We get it, and this is a tough. But how are you going to do it? Yeah, this, the economy's rough right it? now. We, we, everybody's in the same boat. Yep. I think the stock market went down like what five percent? I don't know something ridiculous. Oh, it's just cratered the yeah. last few days. Um, yeah, I think that is that's something we should definitely dig into more. But if we want to do like a quick, quick prelude answer. Yeah, how do you, how do you think companies should? consider their uh their why their their brand identity as they think about strategic planning yeah operations i think one element of that is just simply putting your brand identity in front of yourselves a lot okay right like i think that's it it seems like a motivational poster mike you know what if that's what it takes okay you know like i mean you've got one right next to you yeah i mean we do it right we put our we put our messaging we put our values on the walls we remind ourselves every all hands we do each month Mm -hmm. we repeat our purpose we say it out loud uh we look at our values and we evaluate how we're doing on them and i think those kinds of activities as simple as they seem they just continue to reinforce and communicate to everyone on the team that these are really important. These are how we do business. And we're going to hold ourselves accountable to them, which I think is the next level. It's like the poster doesn't hold you accountable. 
It does a right. good job reminding you when you look at it. So maybe find some <laughs> other ways. Awareness, yeah. You know, more than just the poster. Maybe there's some other ways to communicate. Have the awareness of your purpose and values. But then, okay, let's also hold ourselves accountable to them. So let's assess ourselves. Maybe do an annual assessment or a quarterly assessment. Have your teams talk about like what happened in the last month or the last three months that showed that we lived out our values or showed that we didn't live out our values. Where did we miss the boat, right? Where did we really, you know, kill it? We did a fantastic job. And have each other recognize each other for that. Yeah, let people, let, let each other know. Like you, yep. You did. And then I think another thing that can be really helpful is, is saying, let's move from these lofty, somewhat ideological beliefs, right? That's really what those core values are. They're beliefs about how the world works and how we're going to do business and start to make more applicable, practical. What does that look like on a daily basis? So uh, we d we've done this. I know some of our clients have done it where they'll take that value and having already defined it and put some definition around it over time. And this is not a one-time thing. I think you need to keep doing it over and over start to go, what are things that we do on a daily or weekly basis that show that we're living out that value, right? What are the repetitive behaviors in our organization? Whether that's, um, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example here. Like we had local culture as one of our core values, right? And or we still do. Um, and at one point we had said, very explicitly, we're going to we're gonna try to shop local whenever we have a chance, right? Doesn't mean that we have to only shop local, but we're going to make that our first choice uh, whenever possible. And we still implement that, right? So we give gifts to clients, we give gifts to staff, and we go and find local products from the Phoenix area and showcase kind of what Arizona has to offer. And we have clients all over the U.S. and they, they actually love it. We send these gifts and they're like, wow, this is like really specific this is really interesting i never would have I mean, these are not products they would have ever found there's intentionality yeah. behind it yeah again um so it's like take that value local culture and well what does that look, really look like what are some examples or things we could do this year to really say we nailed that one um and then start building a list of those things and come back to it and keep keep auditing it i don't think it's you know as we've grown local culture has had to kind of morph a little bit in terms of how we apply it when we're not, you know, we're a distributed team. We have people not in Arizona now and we have to work hard to kind of figure out, okay, how can you apply that wherever you are? So it's not just Arizona culture. That's not what we meant by that. Uh, we had to make sure that was very explicit. Like we're not just an Arizona company. Yeah. We're, we're founded here. We're based here. We have a lot of roots here and we still love Arizona. Um, but local culture is about each person's local culture mm -hmm. right where they find themselves okay let's talk about what that might look like with the team right now right the people that we have and the places where they're at yeah it seems like implementing these into like the rhythms of your company throughout the year mm -hmm. keeps you there's might be two things there let's see if i can get them out of my head like when you change and you morph over time it's because of small departures away from your true path mm -hmm. right where you start to forget your identity you start to you know go just ever so gradually slightly down this path or down that path 
And when you implement this into your kind of core rhythms, it, oh yeah, it yep. reminds you, oh man. Back on the path. Can we get back on the path? Yeah. Back on the path. And the second thing is it might keep you from chasing those trends that yep. you start to see as you go off that path, which would include being a copycat or which would include sticking your nose somewhere where you probably shouldn't yeah. go. Yeah. Or just being enticed by the loudest voice. The shiny right. object, the yep. new, whatever, novelty, right? Yep. Everybody wants newness. I hear that word in business. It makes me cringe. Newness. It's so newness. funny because you think about the brands that we probably <laughs> most recognize in our lives, right? You think yeah. about like Coca-Cola. What is Coca-Cola not known for? New stuff. Changing the recipe. New Coke. <laughs> new Coke. Like, and even when they do, it epically fails. Yeah. Um, now I they just don't tell you when they do it. <laughs> but look at their logo. They like haven't changed it in a yeah. hundred years. It's still the same Coca-Cola red. Shape of the bottle. Shape of the bottle. Same thing. Yeah. But um, it's funny. I never actually think about the bottles. I always think about the can. Well, the that's shape of the I bottle, that, that's a branding story, yep. right? Yeah. Because everybody was copying Coke. Yep. And so they created a bottle shape that was hard to replicate hard to yeah. easily. Yeah. So you can't copy the Coke. That's why it's the real thing, right? That's mm -hmm. where that whole thing came from. Yep. So, yep. And that brand is how old? 140 oh, uh, years. Yeah, what? very old. Longer. Well over 100 years. Yeah. Um, I mean, you think about other, other kind of standbys, right? Like, whether you love them or hate them, McDonald's, man. Like, everyone knows a McDonald's. And, yeah, they do. They update things every once in a while, but... It's not a grand departure from where they've been. That's still the same Big Mac. <laughs> what, if, what if you're in an industry where you and a thousand other competitors genuinely kind of have the same beliefs and values? How do you stand out? Hmm... The Remarka Brand Podcast is a project of Resound and is recorded in Tempe, Arizona with hosts Mike Jones and David Kosand. It's produced and edited by Sam Pagel. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and at RemarkableCast.com. If you'd like more episodes, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. To contact the show, find out more about the Remarka Brand podcast or to join our newsletter list to make sure you never miss another episode, check out our website at remarkablecast.com. Copyright Resound Creative Media LLC 2022.